Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Thank you so much. That's good. That's good. It's so good to see you. Come on, give your neighbor a high five. Say you look good this morning. What an honor to be back in Meridian, Idaho. Who loves the great state of Idaho? So good to be back and uh, had a great time. And yeah, Pastor Ken said, I, I actually, my flight got delayed and then tried to get on an earlier flight, didn't make it in time. And we're like, Lord, what are you saying? And he's like, well, your sister-in-law, Tracy and Garrison are in California right now. So I was like, maybe I'll just have Tracy speak for me and I'll, I'll hang out here. And so it's a family affair. Tracy Pace is speaking at Oceans Church right now. And I'm here with you and we're just having a good time. Who's up for having a good time today? All right. Say about 30% of the people are up for a good time. We're, uh, we're excited, man. It's, uh, it's been a great, great, it's always fun coming back here, but it's been a great season for us. We, uh, for those of you that have met me before, my name is Mark, and I actually, in 2002, I got peer pressured by my dad to go to a summer camp for this church in uh, McCall, Idaho, at a camp called Bethel, and had my first real encounter with God. And little did I know that out of that encounter, I was going to eventually come back the following summer. And in the year of 2002, at that camp, God would say, move to Idaho, do the internship, shout out to the internship, do the internship at this great church, and live with your dad. And I had no idea by stepping out that I'd end up doing that and get involved with youth ministry and marry the pastor's daughter, say job security. (laughs) Youth pastor for about 17 years here at this church. Got to work with the football team at Boise State. I would like to say that when I worked with them, they were were pretty dominant. And uh, I'd like to take some credit for that, praise the Lord. I'm just kidding. But uh, it's so good to be back. I love love being in this church. I think... uh, this church had a baby, I'd probably be close to what the baby would look like. I'm 38 years old. I'll be 39 this year. I look 37, praise God. Uh, But this church is 39 years old. So uh, both of us were established in 1983. Sounds like some merchandise right there. But I am so honored to be back. Uh, If you don't know me, about four years ago, Rochelle, Pastor Ken's oldest daughter and I, uh, we got called by God to go back to to California going to say Egypt, but this is a tough crowd. Um, Go back to uh, California. Never thought I'd go back to California. I spent the first 18 years of my life, and like most of the room, there's just two types of people, those that are from California, and there's those that lie about being from California. And uh, I was up here, was raised in the high desert, uh, home of Afro Man, Paul George, and Mark Francie, and we're the only three that made it out, praise God. (laughs) These jokes are just not landing. Uh, we're just going to have a good time today. Uh, but I'm excited. Uh, God's done a great work in the last four years. Our church is about 209 weeks old today. In 209 weeks, we've seen over 5,000 people on Sundays give their lives to Jesus. It's been a great move of God. About two months ago, God gave us the opportunity to buy a building. Um, we started sowing money into local churches. God told us to give $10,000 to a church in every city of Orange County. There's 34 churches. And so we started giving 10000 almost every week for about 11 weeks in a row. We gave $10,000 to churches. And uh, <clears throat> the week that we gave to Irvine, which is where our main campus is at, there was a building that came available. And my realtor said, Mark, this building's owned by a Christian university. And uh, no, it's, it's under contract but it's going to fall out. You guys could buy it if you want it. So I looked at it first and uh, I said, we want it. And the Chapman University that owned it said, we'll sell it to you, but there's two business guys that'll pay cash for it. So we're going to give you seven days to get financing, which is kind of tough for an $18 million note when you're a three-year-old church and it's led by a 38-year-old. Come on, somebody. (laughs) So I was like, well, I think God's in this. So we tried to Meet, I met this bank guy and I talked to him. He flew out from the middle of America. He interrog- or interviewed me. And after the interrogation, he, um, 
the next day called and said, you know what we're gonna do? We've never done a loan this much for a church your age, your size, uh, but we're gonna do it. He said, all you have to do is raise $5 million in 42 days. Could you do that? And I was like, well, maybe God can. <laughs> That's a pastor's answer right there. We had saved two million, so we had to raise three point whatever million dollars to get to the rest. And in uh, 35 days, our church rallied to raise a total of $5 million in 42 days. We are owners of property in Irvine, California. Two campuses now. God's doing a great work. We're an extension of this church. Come on, praise God. So, uh, so special to be back. Rochelle sends her greetings. We now have a 14-year-old going on 21. And I have a seven-year-old that we're size 11 close. We're raising giants. And uh, that's my girls right there. Pray for me. If you guys have any guns you want to donate today, I'll take those. <clears throat> but uh, just so honored. Um, God's been so kind to us. I want to thank this church because uh, you guys supported us. You sent us. Some people went to start churches. We were sent to start a church. And there is a difference. And I want to encourage you, if this isn't your home church, go to a church that was started by someone that was sent, not by someone that went. And God blesses people that do it right. And I, I think that we're, we're eating the fruit of honoring our great pastors, Pastor Ken and Connie Wild, Pastor Kristen Kelly Wild. If you love your pastors here today, give them a good hand clap. Love you guys so much. I love my pastors so much. I'm like, I got to marry into this family. And so we, we figured that out about 16 years ago. Uh, Rochelle and I are coming up on our 17-year anniversary this year. I got married at uh, 18. Just kidding. 21. It's not much of a difference. It's supposed to be funny. And I'm like, wait, that actually isn't very funny because I was pretty close to that age. Um, we're going to have a good time. You got your Bible today? Why don't you open your Bible up? Um, excited to share this word with you. I shared with our church last Sunday. Um, I used to speak at conferences all the time. I still speak a little bit here and there, but I'm a pastor, not a conference speaker. Some conference speakers have one message. They've, speak, they've spoken it 700 times, and they've kind of ironed it out. This message I spoke last Sunday, and I think it's really going to encourage you today. I want to talk to you a little bit about vision. Is that okay? Yeah. Say with me, vision. vision. I think vision is one of the things we need the most today. Vision is something that God puts in you that helps you to be buoyant in uh, rainy days. And I think many people are drowning in America because they don't have vision. Vision is different than man's dreams. I've met a lot of people in Orange County. We have people in our church that have 40, $50 million houses, $20 million worth of cars. They have everything that they've ever wanted to accomplish in life. They've accomplished their dreams, but they're still hollow, still empty. Because man can accomplish dreams and be dissatisfied. Because you weren't made just to accomplish your dreams. You were made to go after God's vision. Vision is connected to intent and purpose. God doesn't make accidents. Some of you, maybe your parents said they didn't want you or they didn't expect you. I want you to know you came through your parents. You, you came from God. God wanted you. And God made every one of us for a task, every one of us for a purpose. And guess what? God has a tailored vision for each one of us. How cool is God? And the good news is you're never too old for a vision. You're never too young for a vision. My first job was at a tuxedo shop, California. I used to fit people for tuxedos. And I would know how to measure their inseam and their waistline. And I, I, could, I could measure that thing so that when the, when the guy made it, it would fit them perfectly. And the picture I had last week when I was praying for God's people was that God has a vision that is hand-tailored. Whether you're an engineer, whether you're an architect, a lawyer, whether you're a doctor or a pastor, come on, God has a vision for you. Do you believe it today? I believe the reason why depression is as high as it is, why we see, we're seeing record suicide rates, people don't die because of bad circumstances. They die because of the lack of vision. The Bible says in Proverbs 19 or 29, 18, that it is without vision, men perish. They perish. These three things endure forever, faith, hope, and love. Do you know that vision is a part of faith? Faith, faith is the substance of things hope for. It's the evidence of things not yet, not yet. You know what vision is? It's connected to what you see when your eyes are closed. And many people don't have any faith because they have no vision. Vision and faith run together. And so I want to talk a little bit about this because people say, Mark, why do you think 
God's blessed your church. This is the, probably the biggest question I get from friends that have been to our church. They say, Mark, are you surprised at what God has done in your church? And I say, I am very, 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 very humbled and I'm very, very, very grateful. But no, I'm not surprised. Because when I was in Boise, Idaho, when I was sacrificing my life, what I loved about this city, all my best friends that are in this room, all of my family members, I had a Zach Evans house on Banbury Golf Course. Come on, somebody. And before I gave up my life at this altar, God gave me a vision of what we're doing now. I saw a move of God hitting California. I saw a revival starting in California that would shake the rest of the earth. And I moved because I saw it before it was here. Does that make sense? What's wild is, I didn't tell First Service this, but our church is mobilizing the Church of California. He gave us a vision that in May 28th, Pentecost Sunday next year, we're going to do an event at Pirate's Cove, the home of the Jesus People Movement. And on May 28th of 2023, we're going we're gonna to host an event called Baptize California that we actually unify the church of all of California. Baptists, Pentecostals, Presbyterians, we're coming together. And we're going to do an event at Pirate's Cove, which is crazy. I didn't know this. God gave me a vision about three months ago for this. We got the website. We're building everything out right now. I had no idea that May 23rd of next year is about exactly the 50-year anniversary of the Jesus People Movement. And this is what God told me. He said, Mark, you're going to do a, you're, you're going to break the American world record for the largest baptism in American history. Right now, the baptism record is 5,001 day. Guess where it was at? Pirate's Cove, 1991. And I believe in the year of 2022 with crooked politicians and maybe a recession going on in the world that the, the eyes of America could see a move of God that starts in California that would strengthen the backgrounds of Christians all over the world. Amen? So God's moving. Come on, give God a good hand clap today. I feel something in here. So I'm excited. So uh, if you have your Bible today, I want you to talk a little bit today about vision. I'm going to read a familiar passage. Most of you don't think about vision when you read Acts chapter 9, but I want to point out how many times Acts 9 talks about sight, talks about blindness, talks about vision. And I really do believe that the Apostle Paul, the origins of his walk with God, Acts 9, is actually a a tell-all of why he became one of the greatest visionary leaders of his day. The Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 that Paul said, "I, I have all understanding. I understand all mysteries that I can prophesy, that I can, that I have faith to move all mountains. And I believe that the great scope of his faith was connected to the beginning of his journey in Acts chapter nine. Are you ready to go? I'm going to read uh, 18 verses. I'm going to pray, tell a couple stories, and I'm going to give you four ideas. And God's going to come in this room, and someone with arthritis is going to be healed. Someone with blood disease is going to be cured. I believe someone in here with a broken heart. There's even a gentleman in here, you lost your wife, and God's going to heal you today in in your heart in a way that no one else could. We serve a God that speaks, that heals, that moves. Christianity without the Spirit of God is TED Talk conferences. And I didn't come here for a TED Talk. I came here to encounter God. Anybody believe that? Say amen. Amen. You fired up today? Come on, raise your hand if you were born on your birthday. Praise God. Just make sure you're with me today. Make sure you're with me. Acts 9, let's read 18 verses together. Then Saul, who are we talking about? We know if you're brand new, Saul becomes the great apostle Paul. But Saul, origins of the story, was a great terrorist of Christianity. He was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he found any who were of the way, believers, men or women, that he might bring them, uh, arrest them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near to Damascus. Suddenly a great light shined from heaven around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Notice what he says. He says, who are you? Say with me, Lord. I believe the key, key word in this sentence is not just who are you, but who are you, Lord. And I really believe that you won't get a full revelation of who Jesus is until you're willing to make him your Lord. Explain this in a second. The Lord said to him, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. Trembling and astonished. Saul said, Lord, again, there's that word. Lord, what? 
do you want me to do? I want you to catch this. It's very important here today. He says it one more time. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't believe that we're saved by what we do, but we are saved to do something. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. That it says that we were saved for good works. Not by them, but for them. He says, what do you want me to do? I believe a genuine encounter with God will motivate you to do something. It'll change what you do. It'll change who you do it with. It'll change where you, where you go, what you want. Real encounters with God motivate what you do. What do you want me to do, he said. He said, I want you to get up, go into the city. It's in that city that I'll tell you what you must do, what you must do. And the man who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but say with me, seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground and his eyes, say with me, eyes. Watch how much this verse talks about eyes, uh, seeing, vision, blindness. His eyes were opened, Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke says, and he saw no one. The irony that your eyes are finally opened up, but now you can't see anything. But they led him by the hand. Who did? The crowd that was with him. When you're spiritually blind, you'll always be led by the crowd. So many people are led by the crowd on social media. You believe if someone's yelling it loud enough, you'll, you'll go with them. But I believe we're not supposed to be led by the crowd. Can I get an amen? amen? They brought him into Damascus and he was there three days, three days, how many days? Without sight. Without sight. Didn't see for three days. Didn't eat anything for three days. Didn't drink anything for three days. You've done a three-day fast before. You would, you would tell the rest of the room, it feels like 27 years. You do a three-day fast with no water and no food, or no, no, excuse me, no food, maybe drinking water. You start smelling barbecue from seven miles out. You start seeing food in the clouds. You start, man, you go like, that's an animal cracker bush. It's crazy that if you get hungry enough, just three days, time stands still. And I don't want you to think about this for a second. Paul started his life. Saul started his faith journey not seeing for three days. Big, big thought here. There was a certain disciple. Wasn't a pastor. Wasn't an apostle. Wasn't a prophet. Wasn't a megachurch pastor. Had no global ministry. Wasn't on Christian television. Are you hearing me today? By the way, Christian television, there's either no makeup or too much makeup. Can I get an amen? Just a certain disciple named named Ananias. To him, the Lord said in a, where did he say that? In a vision. He said, Ananias. He said, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight, inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. He's praying. And in a, when I pause, just yell vision. Is that okay? In a, in a vision, he saw a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias said, man, I've heard a lot of things, Lord, about this man, how much harm he's done to believers in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to call him, to bind all who call on your name. The Lord said, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying hands on him. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as, as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that God vision is usually always connected to an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell something from his eyes. From his what? Something like scales. And he received his? At once he arose and he was baptized. When you start to see spiritually, you'll want to get baptized. Went and ate some food. Scholars argue, but most say Chick-fil-A. Can we pray today? We tell a couple jokes. If you don't like laughing in church, you're dismissed. But we're going to have a good time today. If you believe it, say amen. Father, we just love you so much. I thank you that you're going to heal. I thank you that you're going to encourage, you're going to equip, you're going to restore. I thank you today for, Lord, 20, man, it's been 20 years of walking with you. I want to thank you, Lord, for this. It's literally almost, it was August of 20, 2002 that I showed up to this state with a U-Haul trailer. And on my 20th birthday of being in Idaho, thank you for letting me be on this stage. I pray that you would love this room. 
I pray that you would love this room through me and through this message. Show everyone that you're real, that you care, and that, God, you have a clear vision for their life. In Jesus' name, we ask, we pray. And God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you, Duncan. Give Danielle a good hand clap, everybody. I told first service, I take a little bit of credit because I took Rob with me to the church in Twin Falls when he laid eyes on his future wife. You're welcome, Rob. I, uh, I, was, uh, I was thinking, you know, I'm 38 years old now, and I, you know, a lot of times I, I talk in the beginning of my messages, I talk about my age because I feel like I'm a kind of an interesting, you know, I'm a millennial, and I'm, I'm old enough to remember my older brother actually licks stamps and emails envelopes still. So there's that generation. And then there was the email generation, like Hotmail. Who remembers Hotmail? AOL, you've got mail. Meg Ryan, come on somebody. I remember that generation. I remember that era of time. And then I'm still young enough to identify with social media, even though I'm not on TikTok, come on. Uh, I'm up for everything else. I don't want to learn how to dance. So uh, I'm old enough, but I'm young enough. But I I remember growing up, and by the way, I'm taking notes. If you're taking notes, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, a picture of tomorrow. A picture of tomorrow. Talk about vision today. But uh, I'm old enough to remember uh, an era of time that men used to carry these things called wallets. And uh, inside, in the middle of the wallet, we used to have these uh, pieces of paper. We call them pictures. Who's old enough to remember print pictures? We used to, uh, back in the day, you have to take pictures in faith. <laughs> we didn't have digital cameras. We had disposable cameras. You go to Walgreens, $9.99, you get that little yellow camera. You would wind that turkey up. You would take 32 shots. Not 31, not 33, 32 shots. You would go develop that thing. You have no idea if you were blinking, you had pink eye, come on. It's like you got 32 opportunities to take a shot. And you would go get it developed at Walgreens, someone in a scientific uniform with yellow gloves would be in a back room developing negatives. You'd pick up your camera roll. But back in the day, you didn't take pictures by sight. You took them by faith. Remember, you would get them developed. And, and I was growing up. I remember my mom would take me to these little, uh, I did went to a couple auditions. We lived in California. And I remember I heard the first time in my life, I heard this phrase, headshots. I'm like, what's a headshot? And uh, the agent said, yeah, your son needs to get pictures of his face. He needs to get a headshot. And uh, models and actors, they got headshots. The rest of the population got pictures three times a year. <laughs> Family pictures, if you were in a wedding, and that uh, infamous, dreaded school picture day. Most people my age only know what they look like by the picture they took in school when they were seven years old. <laughs> it's like, that's what I look like. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Hair's not done. Look, I just got off a mission trip. <laughs> spaghetti on my t-shirt. I'm like, man, I didn't get the memo that there was a picture day that day. Three pictures a day. Now we take 37 pictures in a minute. Like, like I got more pictures of my kids than my parents looked at me. <laughs> we got so many pictures nowadays. A picture is a moment that is captured of time that's already passed. Say with me, picture. That's what pictures do. Pictures capture what has already been. That's a picture. And the difference between a picture and a vision is a picture is what has happened. A vision is a picture of what's going to happen. And we live in a day and age that people are, they have phones full of pictures, but they have hearts that are bankrupt of vision. God doesn't want you to have phones full of pictures and hearts void of vision. Acts chapter 2, it says, Joel, citing Joel, as Pastor Ken read this morning, that your sons and daughters will prophesy, which, by the way, in the ancient world, Old Testament world, prophets were seers. Seers. How do you get prophetic? It's when you see. I think the reason why there's not many prophets in our day, because Matthew says, blessed are the pure in heart, they will. I think the problem with our seeing is the perversion in our hearts. So seeing, seeing's a big part of the kingdom of God. And I think that literally today, God wants to fill his bride full of vision again. We know that without vision, people perish. Habakkuk 2.2 says to write down the vision, to make the vision plain, that those that hear it can run. Those that see it can run after it. We even know this, that there's people in the world that don't even go to church, that honor biblical principles. They have vision statements. Come on, Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. 
Part of their vision statement is to be a friendlier, a friendlier franchise. We know that vision is a powerful force. Can I get an amen? Vision shapes things. The future is shaped by our vision. And ladies and gentlemen, I would like to announce to you today that God has a vision for this country. God has a vision for this state. God has a vision for the, for the Treasure Valley. Yes, he has a vision for your marriage, for your children, for your business. Are you hearing me today? We serve a God that is rich in vision. Some of you say, Mark, I'm poor. You're only poor if you don't have vision. Vision has a way of bringing you out of where you are into where you could be. I'm not talking about man's dreams. I'm talking about God visions. God visions change things. I believe that when we, 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 we get a picture of the future, visions are a picture of tomorrow that produces passion in our hearts. So many people have no motivation. They have no drive. I hate my job. I hate what I do. I hate where I live. I don't even like the people I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with. I, I don't like where I'm at. You need vision. Vision gives the meaningless meaning. Vision will, will weaponize a job you don't like for a higher purpose. And this is a big deal today, but I think this is so, so critical, so key, is that God wants to fill his bride full of vision again. I love this story, Acts 9, because it's, it's a story about where Saul got a vision of the future when he was blind for three days. Yeah. I think there was something to do with three days of seeing nothing that gave him a lifetime of vision. Yeah. I think it was in the middle of seeing black darkness that he started thinking about, man, I'm going to get a vision for my future. If you actually read his account to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, he tells the king about the vision God gave him in Acts chapter 9. He tells the great king, he says, King, look, there was a time that uh, Jesus spoke to me in a vision. He said, I'm going to deliver you to the Jews, to the Gentiles. Here's what the vision God gave me. <clears throat> he said, I was going to open the eyes that were blind to them in order to turn them from the darkness kingdom to the kingdom of light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they might receive the forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who are sanctified by me. Yeah. Quote, unquote, Jesus. He actually says that the vision God gave him was about the future works of his life. I want to tell you today that vision's a powerful thing. Do you know where Cornelius, the first non-Jewish believer, do you know where Cornelius got a vision to let, to let non-Jews into Christianity? He was in a... Yeah, good guess. He was in a... I told you when I paused to say vision. Come on. He was in a... Man, you guys are so smart today. He was in a vision. Acts 11 records. He says, Peter was defending his encounter with Cornelius. And he said, you know when this all changed? I was in a vision. And I saw a sheet from heaven. And I heard a voice from heaven. Listen to me. Visions open up the doors to non-Jews to know Jesus. Visions is what opened up the door for the Apostle Paul to become who he was. And today, I believe that God is still, whether you're old or whether you're young, he has visions for his church. Can I get an amen? Amen so important here today. Most people never get visions though. And I, I'm telling you, visions will sustain you in hard times. We're living in critical hour of history. We got so much garbage being taught in our schools, so much garbage being publicized on the news. We're calling bad things good, good things bad. We're being told, trust the science, and science can't determine what's a man and what's a female. We're living in a wild winter. Did you say that? Yes, I did say that. Can I get an amen? If there is no truth in the church, we're in trouble. We're living in wild days. We're living in the absence of wisdom. Why? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of? And if you don't fear God, you live with no wisdom. So we're living in this wild window. And if you don't have vision, you will sink. You go through recessions. Listen, we can go through recession. We can float as long as we have God vision. You can go through trials, challenges. How do you know? Because Paul got a vision in Acts 9, and he got beaten with 39 lashes five times. He was stoned one time. He was beaten three times. He was shipwrecked three times. He, was, he slept a night and a day adrift at sea with many sleepless nights, and he never denied his faith. How? He had vision. Vision is a picture of the future put in your heart by God that gives you passion for life. Vision is a picture of the future put in your heart by God that gives you passion for life. And the good news is you're not too old for vision. Can I get an amen? Acts 2 says, young men get vision, old men get dreams. 
And today you're not too old to get a new vision. You're not too young to dream a dream. Abraham was 75 when he started walking with God. And he accomplished some stuff in his life. Father Abraham had, many sons had, and I am one of them. So let's just, this is not a cult. That was a Sunday school song. Listen to me. Abraham did great exploits because he was a man that obeyed the vision. Go to the land that I will show you. Crazy that Abraham's testament of his life was following God's vision. So that's what I want to say today. Most people never have vision because visions from God always require, number one, write it down, an encounter. It's kind of like children. You can't have children without an encounter. You get that one later. People say, I've had an encounter with God. I think I did. Well, no, I don't know if I, I've been in church my whole life. I felt goosebumps before. I kind of, I've cried before in church. Is that an encounter? I'm like, it could be. But if you've had a real, real encounter with God, it's kind of like going on a honeymoon. You know. You've been on a honeymoon? I I think so. Pretty sure I went on a honeymoon. It was 14 days. We were in Hawaii in Sun Valley. I'm pretty sure it was a honeymoon. You know. You kind of come back smiling. Had a honeymoon. No? Okay, I'll just keep going. Let's get awkward in here. You guys are making this awkward, okay? Notice this. Encounters, a real encounter with God is more than a feeling. It's when you're willing to surrender to God's direction. A real encounter. Not just I felt God, but I actually surrendered to him. Notice that Saul became who he became because he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? I believe that a real encounter gives God permission to change your doing. When I first had my encounter with God, I remember going home. I was raised uh, in an environment. I, I remember I, had, I, I got addicted to pornography at a young age. I had a bunch of paraphernalia in my room. And my first encounter with God, I came back from a real encounter at this camp in Idaho, flew back to California. I got all of the paraphernalia in my bedroom. I walked down the staircase. I threw it in our gas fireplace. <laughs> bad idea, bad idea. And my grandpa Paps was sitting in the chair watching me throw all this stuff in the fireplace. Probably thought I was crazy. But you know what's crazy? When I had an encounter with God, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, get rid of the dark stuff. I I had CDs. Who remembers those things? Rest in peace, up CDs. I had CDs that were like verbal pornography. Listen to all these rappers, hardcore death metal. I'm listening to basically just angry stuff. And I heard the Lord say, you know what I want you to do? I want you to get rid of the stuff that's tainting your soul. And that's crazy. When I had a real God encounter, no one said, get rid of that stuff. You're going to go to hell. But I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you want to follow me? Surrender. I want you to write this down. I believe the level of your surrender will determine the vision God gives you. Some of us get small visions because we have small surrenders. I'll give God Sunday mornings, but what about the rest of the week? I'll give my Bible devotion right. What about your career? What about your marriage? What about your finances? It's crazy that we believe in America today that if the government came to your house with, with 87,000 IRS employees with guns, because they need those, we'll keep going, <laughs> that we believe, deny your faith or we're going to shoot you. We would say as Christians, I would die for my faith. But you don't even tithe. Who's deceived here that you think you would die for your faith? But church is an option for you. We wonder why why church is an option for us growing up. And we wonder why our kids deem it unnecessary when they grow up. Our kids will do what we do. Not what we say, but what we... It's going to be quiet in here for a second. I believe that, listen, what walks in us will run in our kids. And so we want to see our kids on fire for God. We got to model this thing. I want my kids catching me praying. I want my kids catching me reading my Bibles. I want my kids catching me praying in the Spirit. Are you hearing me today? Where are the men of God being caught by their kids doing what's right in the eyes of God? We will see revival. We will see vision fill our hearts when we have encounters that we're willing to say, Lord, Adonai, Master, I surrender everything. You can have my vocation, my job, my coworkers. God, I give every square foot of my life to you. And I believe the Apostle Paul became who he was because encounters change the direction of our lives. What do you want me to do? Abraham had one. Moses had one at a burning bush. Joseph had one when he was 17 years old. I believe that it is those visions, those moments that shape our future. 
And I'm telling you today that those that don't have a vision from God will work for somebody that does probably. I want to have my own, I want to have my own encounter. God told me years ago, you know what kills more people than secondhand smoke? Secondhand Christianity. We got people living off the smoke of someone else's fire. Listen, your mama can't get close to Jesus for you. Your grandma can pray for you, but she cannot have a relationship with the Holy Spirit for you. Your wife could be the most praying, godly angel on the earth. It is up to you and the Spirit of God to do business. And God wants to know all of his kids. Can I get a good amen? Amen. We need these encounters. We need these encounters. And I've learned this, that that vision is born out of encounters with God. And I think the reason why most Christians can go their whole lives, go to church, and never live with a God vision is because they don't ever create an atmosphere they can actually encounter God. Encounters usually start when we're willing to surrender everything. What do you want me to do? I could trace the greatest moments of my life back to two moments of high surrender. One at Bethel Camp in 2002 and one in 2018 in January when I was at this altar and I said, God, I'll go back to California. I'll do whatever you want me to do the rest of my life. I'll sell my house, move away from my family and friends. I'll leverage the barn. I will, I will finance our church. I, Rashawn and I sold everything that we owned, our boat, all of our toys, and we bankrolled the church to get it started. I, no one worked at Ocean's Church for the first 11 months. I was the first employee. Come on, somebody but I believe that what we're doing today is because of the altar that we built in 2018. It's no fire without altars. Some of us don't have any fire in our life because we've never made an altar. An altar is when we're willing to say, God, here's my life. Here's, is there anybody in Idaho that believes that God's dreams for you are better than yours? Is there anybody that, in the school of thought that believes that Jesus knows what you're going to like when you're 30 years older than you are today? We think that we know what we want more than God does. Ladies and gentlemen, God knows what you'll think about when you're 65 and 75. You don't know that yet. So here's what we know today is that encounters, vision originates in a God encounter. Number one, what does vision cause? Vision will cause, when you know you get a God vision, it will cause, number two, a burden. Nehemiah was living in a castle, but he wasn't happy because he had a burden. I believe that when you were at the burning bush, Moses, what happened? He got a burden. I'm telling you today that God's visions will create, out of that encounter, a burden. The burden will make you want to do something for God. It'll make you want to rebuild something. It'll make you want to reach someone. It'll make you want to write something. It'll make you want to create something with God. There's something about vision that creates a burden. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you, when you get a burden from God, you're willing to leverage your time. You'll leverage your money. You'll leverage your reputation. You'll start to say, it's all real. We had a lady in our church, grew up, went to Air Force Academy, highly academic, financial advisor, super successful, never been to church her whole life, came to our church about two years ago at our first conference, had an encounter with God, hit the deck, wept for 30 minutes, got up off the ground, she had a vision of Jesus, of heaven, and that's what she said when she stood up. Highly educated Air Force graduate, she said this, it's all real. She's crying, it's all real, 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 it's all real. And now she's one of our greatest children's teachers. Serving God. She employs about half our church. It's all real. I'm telling you that Paul, after three days of being blind, when he got his scales removed from his eyes, he probably was saying the same thing. It's all real. And when it's all real, you get a burden. Listen to me, people don't really care about heaven or hell until they realize it's real. I was reading an article this week about an about a, a actress that died in a car accident. And as I read it, it broke my heart. I'm like, God, if she didn't come to know you, she's in hell. And the reality of eternity started to weigh on my heart. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when you, when you stop just kind of fantasizing eternity, heaven and hell, yeah, it might be real. When you wrap your head around it a little bit, as Pastor Chris says, when you put it in your theological pipe and you smoke it, come on. It starts to actually give a burden in your heart. That's why C.S. Lewis said, if you live for eternity, you'll get earth thrown in. But if you live for earth, you'll miss both. And we have too many people missing both because they're living for the here and now, and they're not letting God give them a burden for eternity. Can I get a good amen? So here's what we know is that vision causes burdens, and when you get a burden, here's what we know about burdens. Burdens, uh, vision requires a burden that will require preparation. I'm telling you, today's trials will produce tomorrow's maturity. Abraham was 75. 
75 years of preparation before Abraham started the journey. Moses had 80 years of preparation. David had 15 years from when he was anointed by Samuel until he became the king. Joseph had 13 years from the dream until he stepped into his destiny. Paul had three years in a desert. Lonely Arabian desert. Had 14 years past that, preparing him to be who he would become. Nehemiah, it took him 52 days to build the walls, but it took him three months to get to Jerusalem. There is always a desert. There's always a a season of preparation before God uses you in a mighty way. Some would say that the longer your your time of preparation, the greater the magnitude of God's vision. Like an arrow, the further God pulls you back, the farther you shoot. And most people don't want, they don't want seasons of preparation. They they, they want to do it today. They don't want to wait. But I'm telling you, you can't do something great unless you God make, unless you let God make you something great. We want to do great things, but we don't want a season of preparation. We live in an over-promise, under-prepared generation. How do you know? Because I've, I've married a lot of people. I've stood at these altars, and I've seen a lot of great young, young people get married. But in the world we live in, we teach our kids, yeah, go on Tinder, date anything with two legs, go to college, have as much fun as you want. You can be addicted to pornography. You can sleep around. You can do what you want. But when you stay at the altar, I promise I'll never look at anybody else. I'll never, I'll be loyal to you for the rest of my life. That's like you've been preparing for divorce your whole life. And now you make a promise. And it's kind of like, I make the joke, it's kind of like me putting a Laker jersey on. Come on. Showing up at the Staples Center tonight. Stretching it out. LeBron, give me a jersey. Look, I haven't touched a ball in five years. But I promise. You put me in tonight. Yeah. We're going to make some stuff happen. You know, LeBron's going to laugh at me. Not because I don't have a great promise, because I've had zero preparation. And I'm telling you today, many times we get mad at God because we're in a desert. God's preparing you. Do you know that God prepares you? Deserts are never meant to to mess. They're They're not punishment. They're preparation. If Jesus had to go through 40 days of a desert, you think you and I can get get from, from your dream to your destiny with no deserts? Deserts are a part of life. Can I get an amen? They're a part of getting you ready for what's ahead. And I'm telling you that before you do something great, God wants to make you great. How does God make us great? I want you to write one word down, schedule. I know this is where it gets a little bit too practical for some of you. Just tell me prayer and fasting. Don't tell me schedule. Give me the seven motivational gifts in Romans Romans 12. Give me the nine spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter, uh, chapter 12. Don't give me this schedule. Yeah, if you want to be a great husband, is it in your schedule? You want to be a great father? Is it in your... You want to be a man of God? Is it in your... You want to grow in faith? Is it in your... You want God to bless your finances? Is it in your... I could go through every area of your life that you want God involved in. If it's not in your schedule, it's not going to be evident in your life. The only thing that grows without any effort are weeds. Yeah. Yeah. You want fruit, you got to plant seeds. Schedule. Schedule. So we know this, that visions come from encounters. Encounters give us burdens. Burdens require preparation. And this is the good news. When we actually start to have preparations, visions start to materialize in our life. I believe that vision is a form, uh, vi- vision is a form in our hearts. Uh, there's something in our hearts when visions start to well up that make you dissatisfied with where things are. A lot of times God will start giving you vision for the areas that you're not happy in. You're not satisfied in. Often vision begins with an inability to accept things as they currently are. Some of you are getting a vision to get involved in local school boards. Some of you are getting a, a vision to get involved in local politics. Some of you are getting a vision to get involved with what's going on in the Treasure Valley. Vision often starts with God out of what bugs you. Isn't that wild? He tells Moses, you know how you killed that guy the other day? Because you saw injustice? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that for 400 years. Moses, what bugs you, bugs me. I'm raising you up. You're going back to Pharaoh. I've given you 40 years in the, in the palace. I've given you 40 years in the desert. And now for the next 40 years, you're going to lead my people out of bondage. God always prepares us. Can I get an amen? It's so important. But he'll start with what bugs you. The bank can come up here. I'm almost finished today. Many people don't realize that vision is actually developed as we sharpen our axe. 
Ecclesiastes 10, 10 says, if the ax is dull, it requires more effort. Do you know why God prepares us to sharpen our ax? Do you know what sharpens ax? Say with me, friction. You know what you're feeling right now in your life? Man, I'm just not where I want to be financially. I'm not where I want to be in my business. My marriage isn't quite where it should be. My kids aren't quite where they should be. Friction is what sharpens the ax. And I believe, man, I look back at my life and my parents didn't get divorced. My dad didn't move to Idaho. If, 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 I, if, if, if some of the worst things in my life didn't happen, I never would have been coming to this. If my dad didn't get remarried, his wife was going to this church. He was going to the vineyard. And when his second wife, they got married, they started coming to this church, and I wouldn't have sat in the back over there, saw a good-looking blonde leading worship. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I wouldn't have been here. And if I wasn't here, my dad wouldn't have said, you're going to camp today. There wouldn't have been a painter in our church named Kevin Bing at the time. He's like, I'll pay for your son to go to camp. I wouldn't have got on a yellow bus. We own buses now, praise God. Yeah. I wouldn't have got on a bus. There's no air conditioning back then. Just God's. Roll the windows down. <laughs> Drove two hours up to camp. I wouldn't have had a God encounter. Wouldn't have heard the voice of God. Wouldn't have done the internship. Wouldn't have moved to Idaho. Wouldn't have had 17 years of preparation. God let me kill bears and lions in Boise. Because he's like, there's some giants in Orange County that I want you to take out. God will always give you a season of preparation. It's not punishment, it's preparation. It's, it's not punishment, it's preparation. Some of you lost your first business, you went bankrupt. You're like, that wasn't God's will. Listen, God can use that, not as punishment, but as preparation. Some of you were affected by the last recession and you're gonna sell through whatever's ahead of us. Because what you learned in the last go-ahead. I'm telling you today that God is a God that will sharpen your ax. Can I get an amen? amen? Last thing I've learned about vision is vision, it's birthed by a God encounter. It causes a burden. Vision requires preparation. And vision makes you, lastly, an answer, a solution. I love the story of Ananias. You ever thought about how powerful the story is? He's praying. And in a what? Ananias is praying. And in a what? He hears the Lord. He says, hey, Ananias, I want you to go to the street called Straight because I'm going to straighten out a terrorist over there. You're going to walk into his house. He, he actually, I gave him a vision too. Isn't it cool how God always works on both sides? I gave Saul a vision. You know what he saw in his vision? He saw you. He didn't just see you. He knows your name. He knows there's a guy named Ananias that's going to lay his hands on him. I wonder if the ordinary disciple named Ananias would have said no, how far God's sovereignty would have had to reach to find another Ananias to fulfill that task. I wonder how many of us have said no and we're waiting for kids and future kids and grandkids to pick up the mantles of what we've said no to. I believe that God has a vision for your family and what you don't fulfill in your lifetime will be fulfilled in your lifeline. But I believe that God wants to do it in you. He wants to do it in you. We got to have a high level of surrender if we're going to have a high level of vision. So he says this, Ananias, he saw you, will you go? He walked in, he laid hands on him. And you know what Ananias became through his obedience? Catch this. Obedience to God makes us the answer to somebody else's prayer. This is so cool about serving God. Your yes never just affects you. Your yes will affect your immediate family. It'll affect your extended family. It'll affect your future family. There's kids you don't even have yet that would be blessed by your yes. Obedience always makes you the answer to somebody else's prayer. Ananias walked in, laid hands on him. Ananias, an ordinary disciple, not a famous orator. He wasn't a John G. Lake. He wasn't a William Branham. He wasn't, he wasn't a George Whitfield. He wasn't a Martin Luther. He was an ordinary disciple named Ananias. And his obedience to the word in a vision made him the answer to the greatest apostle to ever live's prayer. I wonder how many people in this room could be the answer to Meridian. I believe that God wants to make you the answer to the prayers of your neighborhood. Amen. How many people on your block praying for God to heal their family, to help their marriage, to rescue their kids, and they just need to know one Christian on their block that knows how to pray? I'll help you be the answer to this prayer. Let's pray together. Where are the Christians at? 
God wants to give us a vision. Can I get one more amen today? I'm telling you, I feel something in the room. I want you to catch this in your heart. You can write this down. You can take a picture if you want. It's a powerful declaration. Say this with me. God made me because he wanted me. Overachievers, stay here. My eyes are right here. Check this out before we read the rest. That was a joke. God made me because he wanted me. There is no one in this room that God did not want. I was born, say with me, to, to solve a problem. I am a response to a need that God created. I am the answer to a question that God had. You guys are too fast. Praise God. Next one. There we go. I am the fulfillment of one of God's, man, I love this, desires. How cool is this? I am the fulfillment. Say it. I am the fulfillment of one of God's desires. How crazy is that? There is something that God desired that made you and me necessary. I am an assignment to my generation's needs that they need to experience. I am necessary in the kingdom of God. If you believe it, say amen. amen. I am convinced. If you get this into your system, I'm telling you that God will give you visions that we'll succeed with. Listen, God, birds, can, birds have feet. Birds can walk. Birds have talons. They can grasp branches securely. They can walk and they can cling. But listen to me. Birds were made for flying. The chief characteristic of a bird is flight. And when they fly, they begin to live at their best. And some of you today, you can walk, you can cling, but God wants to give you a vision of flying. And I can feel it today. Some of you today, you're struggling with purpose. You're low in morality. You're low in, 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 in even uh, confidence because you need a God vision. Where do, vision, where do visions happen at? They happen where we have encounters. Where do encounters happen at? They happen where we surrender. What happens when we surrender? God gives us a burden. What happens when we get a burden? God prepares us. What happens when we're prepared? We become the answer to somebody else's prayer. If God did it with Ananias and Saul, what could he do with you? Psalms 92, 14 says, even in old age, they'll bear fruit. I love what uh, Eugene Peterson said. He goes, we were built to count as water is made to run downhill. We were built to count. God has a vision for your life. Missing his vision is the greatest tragedy of your life. Missing God's vision. So why does God give vision? Well, here's what I learned. Dallas Willard said it this way. The primary work of God is finding men and women whom he can entrust his power to. The story of most men and women is that being entrusted with power and it bringing harm to themselves and to those that are under their care because they don't let God prepare them. Say it again. Deserts aren't punishment. They're preparation. I feel like today God wants to prepare somebody. How many feel like God could give you a new vision today? I want every square foot of my life to be fully surrendered to God so he can give me whatever vision he has for my future. Would you stand on your feet today? I'm finished. Thanks for listening so well. Pastor Ken said I had three hours. I want to honor that time. Just kidding. Would you close your eyes today? Would you ask this simple question? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? I believe in a God that speaks to us when we ask him to speak to us. How many say, Mark, I would love for God to give me a clear vision. Vision is what kept Saul, Paul, and the shipwrecks. It's what kept Joseph's head on his shoulders when he was in pits, when he was in prisons. It was vision. It was dreams. God dreams. Today, you say, Mark, I would love it. I'm willing to surrender to God. God, I want your best for me more than my best for me. Some of you believe in God, and that's a good starting point. But I'm telling you today that belief in God isn't enough. Demons believe, and they're not going to heaven. Believing in God is where it starts, but it's not where it stops. We got to go from believing in God to surrendering to God. Today, some of you need to have an encounter, but it's only going to happen when you say, God, I give you every square foot of my life. I'll give you my future, my kids, my marriage, my finances, my business. I want to put everything under your care. All over the room today, would you close your eyes? Can I ask you an honest question? There's a handful of you that God's going to heal right now because he's a healing God. Someone in here, you have like really bad arthritis. And I believe that right now God wants to touch you. 
I see God healing scar tissue in your hands. It's even someone that you typed a lot, you did something with your hands, mechanic. God's healing your hands right now, arthritis in your hands. I see him uh, even unlocking mobility in your fingers that you've lost. There's someone here, you have tremors, your hands shake, and I see God even touching you right now. Even someone here, you have a, you're, you're like, there's like a numbness in your like right toes, uh, your, your big toe, like three, three out of five of your toes, you've lost kind of feeling in. God's healing your foot right now. Why would God do these things? Because he cares for his kids. Is there anybody in Idaho that still believes God does miracles? We see two or three of you to agree with me today. I pray for the lady who's been cutting herself. I pray that today you would deliver her from that, 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 that spirit of affliction. I command you right now, spirit of infirmity, to loose your grip over every one of God's daughters, over every one of God's sons. I pray for the oppressed and for the possessed. I pray in Jesus Christ's name, you loose your grip today. I pray in Jesus' name that you would fill every one of them with the spirit of life, the spirit of God. I pray that light would come in and darkness would leave. I pray that you would destroy the works of the devil now. Someone in here, you've been doing uh, mushrooms lately. And God, I'm telling you right now, he wants to get, get you out of that addiction. We have a generation arguing over what we can actually uh, get high off of. I'll tell you what you get high off of, the most high. And when God is no longer enough, you're serving the wrong God. I don't need wine to take the edge off. I don't need marijuana to take the edge off. I'm telling you, if God is not enough, we're worshiping the wrong God. It's gonna get quiet up in here for a second. I'm not against medicine, but I'm talking about people that are doing things recreationally because you're not happy with where you are. I pray for liberty today. So here's where we go. If you need healing in your body, healing in your body, broken heart, broken mind. Some of you, you have messed up. Someone's Achilles is messed up. God's going to heal your Achilles today. I pray all over this room that you would heal. And I even pray for those that need deliverance. I've been, I've been struggling with some, some destructive behavior all over Idaho today. Would you lift your hands? If you're watching online, receive this. You say, Mark, I believe that God can heal me today. Lift your hands. If you don't have any faith, raise them anyways. I got faith for you. Lift your hands today. I pray healing would flow. All over, all over. It doesn't make you weird to lift your hands in church. It makes you honest. Hands up all over, hands up all over. If someone's hands up next to you, would you just do me a favor? We're a church that believes in prayer. I know that. Would you, would you find someone next to you that has their hand up? Just put a hand on their shoulder. Just maybe one or two people. It doesn't take 30 people. Just one or two people. Put your hand on their shoulder. Everyone that has a hand up needs a hand on their shoulder. Come on, find somebody. Find somebody. Get out of your seat if you have to. Find someone with a hand up. Make sure they have a hand on their shoulder. And I want you to pray this prayer, capital. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. Jesus, we pray in your name that you would loose your spirit, that you would send your word, that you would heal bodies, muscles, bones, souls, and evict darkness. Destroy the works of the enemy and heal. Send your word, heal. We declare whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So we give you the glory as you heal him now, touch him now. Watch this in Jesus' name. Some of you feel it right now. Come on, eyes closed. You feel it. He's healing someone. You have like a someone in here. You have like some sort of a like like little uh, tumors, tumors in your chest cavity. Like see, like I don't know if they're cysts or what they are, but like they're inside of your chest cavity. Even a couple of growths next to your heart. See God healing people today. Healing people today. Someone just got diagnosed with cancer. I think it's breast cancer. And I believe the Lord wanted to tell you today that you're going to live and not die. You're going to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. God heals supernaturally. God could use medicine. I don't care how he heals, but Lord, we're asking you to heal today. In Jesus' name. Yeah, there's somebody here, you like, like some sort of issue with your foot. It's like it, it doesn't, it, there's no, it, you can't, it's like, it's almost like pigeon-toed. You can't break it loose to go straight. And I see God even right now touching your foot. Some people are healed immediately. Some people go as they walk with God. I don't care. People say, Mark, why don't you like have people like come up and just hop on the stage like a Benny Hinn meeting? That's fine. If we had two more hours, I would do that. But ultimately, sometimes we do that just to get more credit as the man leading the meeting. I don't care. I want God to get the glory. All I'd ask you is you get healed in this moment, which I know there are people getting healed right now. Just tell somebody. It'll build their faith. So if you receive it, say, I receive in Jesus' name.
There's someone in here, you had, you had like a heroin, methamphetamine addiction for like, I don't know, I thought it's like 20 years. God's healing you right now. You have paraphernalia in your vehicle. I think you have a pickup truck in the parking lot. And God says, what do you want me to do? God says, if you'll give me the darkness, I'll remove the, de the desire for it. If you'll give me the darkness, I'll take away the desire. So I pray today, give them the courage to go to their vehicle and throw their stuff in the trash today. In Jesus' name. I even, I'm this, I've never I felt this long time. Someone in here, you've been drafting a suicide note. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I brought you to this service today. Because there's a plan. I have a vision for you. And you're not dying this week or this month. You're going to live. I'm going to show you how to get out of the pit. I'm going to set your feet on a wide path. I'm going to lift you out of the miry clay. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Almost done, almost done, almost done. Watch, some of you just got touched. You got healed. That was you. There's many others that you've been one foot in, one foot out. Today's the day that we go all in. I love that you have a godly wife, but it's time for you to give your heart to God. I'm calling some men to stand for God today. All over this room, men, women alike, come on, it's time to stand for God. If you've been one foot in and one foot out, today's the day we go all in. Are you atheist, agnostic, and God just healed your heart? And just, you know, he just delivered you from your drug addiction. I pray for you today also. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand on the count of three. Eyes closed, heads bowed. I'll have you out of here in like 20 seconds. Just give me a second. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I want to get right with God for the first time. Or maybe I need to give my life fully. I want to have a big vision from God because I want to be fully surrendered to God. You haven't put your whole life under Jesus' Lordship. Today, there's like 27 first service. There's more in this service. Would you do me a favor all over the room? You say, Mark, first time I want to give my heart to God or I haven't really been living for God with all of my heart. And today I want to make a decision. Listen, if, if Satanists can make deals with the devil, Christians can make deals with the Holy Spirit. And we're here today to make a deal with the Holy Spirit. I want to live with you. I want to live for you. I want to glorify you. I want to preach your gospel the rest of my days. All over the room, lift your hands. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to count the hands, and I'm going to hand it over. Do me a favor. All over the room, Lord, right now, on the count of three, let them respond in Jesus' name. One, that's why God brought you here right now. Two, you know this is your moment. Raise your hands right now. Three, real high, real high, real high, real high, real high. Don't be shy. I see five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Real high, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Real high. This is awesome, right? 20. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 32. Anybody else? Come on, give God a good hand clap today. Mighty God. So bring down, watch this. One last bold prayer. One last bold prayer. I wish the whole church would pray with those people today. Let's pray it together. Say, Jesus, we declare today that you're worthy of every day of our life. What you've done for me is the greatest gift anyone's ever given. So I ask you today, Jesus Christ, be my Lord, Savior. I surrender my future, my dreams. I give you my heart. Would you direct my steps? Would you lead my life? And would you give me a vision? This is so cool. I'm sorry. Just one second. I feel like some of you are praying this prayer, but there's the whole room full of people that are getting vision right now. Lift your hands. Some of you are going to get vision for your business. Someone's like, I see someone like building a new house right now. And God's going to give you this like cool ideas you weren't even thinking about. Someone here, you're building something for your company right now. There's like a headquarters you're getting ready to build. I see God giving literal blueprints. And I see other people literally getting blueprints to actually get their marriage back on track. God's given you a blueprint, man. If you just start treating her, treating him the way you did when you first started dating, you would restore your first love. You have a son that's on the run from God. Listen to me. He's going to give you a blueprint. You're going to pray circles around that kid. You're going to pray that kid out of, the, out of the club, maybe even out of, a, someone in here, maybe like a, a lesbian daughter or maybe a homosexual son. And I see you praying that kid right back into the middle of where God wants him to be. How many believe that God could do stuff like this? You believe that still in Idaho? I pray, hands up all over. I pray vision would flow as those 32 people gave their lives to you today. 
we say, Holy Spirit. Sorry, that was, a, that was a secret way of saying, Holy Spirit, I ask you today, I want to encounter you. Give me your burdens. Give me your vision. Prepare me and make me the answer to a broken world's prayers. In Jesus' name, I glorify you. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.